Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm a huge fan of the SWB. I feel like they've played an important role in helping me get to where I'm at today with the podcast. So to them, I'm forever grateful. And whenever anybody from their area is down to come on the podcast, it gets me super excited. I love diving deep and hearing about the history of hardcore from their area and even talking about the current bands going on. There's a new band called The Fire. You can find them on their band camp, soon to be Spotify and Apple Music. Just so many awesome things from that area. And I, I just love talking to people from there. It's just so awesome. But this week we were able to track down Alex Russell from Cold World. I was definitely looking forward to talking to him because I know we both share this love for Disney. And I get so excited whenever anybody reaches out and wants to talk about Disney. That's just something that I have this crazy passion for and I could go on forever about it. There's just so many aspects that I I just would love to dive deep into. So I, I knew that we were going to go deep on that. But one thing I was looking forward to was hearing Alex's history, how he got into hardcore, how he got to the point where him and his friends started Cold World. It was just something that I was really, really excited for. And I'm so stoked to be able to share this with you guys today because this is something that I've been looking forward to for a really long time. So I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. Just don't stop fighting the good fight. I know there's a lot of us out there that's posting all over social media and just trying to do our part. So please just don't stop that. Don't get complacent. Just keep it going. And one thing, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but at the end of every episode, I like to give time to the guests to shout out or plug anything. And I feel like at the end of this episode, when I gave Alex that opportunity, he had some really awesome things to say about what's going on currently. And I, I thought that was really awesome of him. He didn't want to plug any of his socials or any of his bands. He wanted to talk about what was currently going on and he made an awesome statement. So I was really stoked on that. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And please, without further ado, welcome Alex Russin to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hey, dude, this is uh, this is awesome to finally have you here. I, I feel like it, it feels like forever since we uh, first started talking, and then when I initially yeah. asked you to come on the podcast, it, it just seriously feels like ages ago. Yeah, I mean, Tiger King might have been a thing at that point, so yeah, that's it. like. That's like two lifetimes ago at this point. Okay, so I n- I've never uh, fully watched Tiger King. Like, I tried. And I think I maybe got to episode two, and I was like, I just can't take this. This is, like, too too weird for me. Um, but yeah, I I think if you would have asked me when that was a thing, I would have called you insane. But now, hold on. Now I'm like, yeah, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> I uh, got, sorry. There's a little craziness here. I've got three kids, and no, it's all good. they get a little loud. It's all good. But I, I saw an update on Twitter, um, which I'm like kind of familiar with like the major characters. And I saw that uh, 
Carol Baskin, she got like uh, granted uh, control of uh, the zoo from Joe Exotic. Oh, you're back. There now? Yeah. No, I can see her. Did you get that last part about Carol Baskin? Yeah, I, was, I, you said, I saw you said something about an update on Twitter. Yeah, so I, I saw an update. Uh, uh, Carol Baskin, she got granted uh, control of uh, Joe Exotic's zoo. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and she's going to sell it all or something. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Cause, uh, that's crazy. As far as I can tell, just off you know social media and stuff, everybody's saying you know she killed her husband. Are, are you in that camp? <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, why not? Screw it. Yeah, she definitely killed her husband. Okay. I mean, based off of what I saw in that documentary, she 100% is an absolute murderer and fed her husband to tigers. That's so dark to, to think about. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're seeing a little bit of cr- that's what I deal with every day. No problem. You're, you're, you're in dad mode right now. I'm in dad mode always. Oh yeah. Well, I, I you know, I, I was uh, surfing the internet, just trying to, you know, get a little more information about, um, you know, who you are and like what you've been up to. And it seems like uh, you doing interviews or anything like that is like rare. Cause I, I think like the newest thing I found yeah. was like from like 2014, maybe which was like ages ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can say hi. That's Oliver. That's hi. my son. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's just people, I've said no to a good amount of them, um, and just sort of stayed off, because, I don't know, I haven't really felt like there's been much for me to discuss with people, but I really liked your interviews the past few you've done, have been awesome, uh, the podcast is sick. I like that you talk about Disney, so I figured, what the heck? Yeah, no, Let's I, roll. I, I definitely appreciate that. So that always like means a lot to me when, when people give me that good feedback. Yeah, I mean the I've listened to a I I I think the first one I listened to is when you did with Nate, um, from Choice to Make mm-hmm. out here, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you did the one with Shane, and I obviously listened to that. That's my uh, surrogate little brother. And so I had to listen to that. And then uh, then I saw you were doing the Disney ones, and I'm a little bit of a Disney guy. So yeah, I was like, all right, this is up my alley. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And the, the one I did with, um, with Nate, uh, do you know if it was the first one or the second one? Because I've done two with him. It must have been the second one then. Okay. Because right. I know I didn't listen to two. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still, that, that that's awesome because I, I seriously, I, like hearing that and you listening to, to the Nate episode, it, it just always like surprises me because I never really know who's actually listening. Yeah, I, I guess that's got to be one of the weird parts about doing stuff like this. Is, I mean, I guess it's the same thing with doing music because you don't know who's listening to your music and who's not without people hitting you up. But at least with music, you can go pl- go around and play, so you see who's interacting with you when you're at your shows. But with a podcast, I mean, short of becoming one of those giant podcasts that does tours and theaters and stuff like that, you probably aren't gonna get to see that too much. 
Yeah, no, like uh, I obviously like I have access to some analytics uh, and outside of uh, me, like kind of just like talking about it all the time, like around like my like super close friends. Like, yeah, it, it's really just like unknown to me who's listening. So like whenever people reach out and let me know, like or give me any kind of feedback, like I like greatly appreciate it. So so it, it's super awesome that you um, found the Nate podcast and then obviously listen to the Shane episode because that was like one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, Shane's a really interesting guy in a lot of aspects, too. Um, and he's definitely not afraid to say what he's thinking. So I always, I'm surprised that Shane doesn't get interviewed more because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how integral Shane is to so many different things. Who is it? Uh, this, is a guy, this is Jamie. Say hi. Hello. It's Julia. <laughs> uh so I'm glad like, I get really pumped when I see Shane kind of getting credit for the things that he's done. Um, like I, I mean, I, like for instance, he did that. Uh, he did a Supreme shirt. He did a design for Supreme, mm-hmm. and all the designs sold out in. Like, I mean, it's a Supreme shirt, so they sell it quick. But I think his was the first one to sell out, and he didn't get the kind of traction or accolades that i was kind of hoping it would for something like that like you know a kid in our community does something on that scale that's pretty cool but i don't know but at the same time shane doesn't also like to really promote himself in that way so maybe that's why yeah like i didn't realize he was doing that shirt until like the i think like the like couple days before the the drop happened he like posted that he was doing uh, or that he did that design, so like I don't know if there was like legal stuff where he couldn't talk about it until then, but um, I definitely yeah uh, you know, probably yeah. So I'm not really sure how that works, but yeah, like I uh, you know met Shane uh, through doing the podcast and just like or- organically became friends, and him and I had been talking behind the scenes about doing that podcast for like a really long time, but I just kind of left the door open for him because I didn't really want to like pressure him. I, I never want to like kind of, you know, like bug anybody about coming on. I, I'd rather them come on on their own time and uh, it be like a cool, just like normal conversation instead of it, them yeah. feeling like, you know, that they had to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. Uh, I did see, I, I didn't get to listen yet, but I saw that you interviewed uh, my buddy Ethan too. Oh, okay. from Steel Nation. Yeah. That great band. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm like a long-time yeah. Steel Nation fan, so I, I was uh, stoked that I mean, he was down to do it. Ethan filled in for Cold World on a tour before, actually. He uh, one of probably like the craziest tour we've ever done. Um, we did a tour with Trash Talk and Iron Age in uh, 08, maybe? I'm bad. I'm awful at years. Mm-hmm. And Ethan played drums on that tour, and that's like, I mean, that's the kind of tour where it, yeah, I get flashbacks. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> that was a wild one. Okay. Uh, so I, but he's a sick drummer. I kind of want to take it like to the very beginning because uh, I, I'm always curious about like how people like especially someone like you who, who's been in and like, uh, you know, prominent bands. Uh, I was curious, like, how did you find your way to hardcore? Um. It's kind of interesting. Like, it's not interesting. It's actually, I think, the most boring story ever. But it's interesting that it happened kind of twice. So when I was in fifth grade, like fourth and fifth grade, 
my best friend at the time, his oldest brother was a sharp skinhead, right? And so we used to go to his house, and I remember listening to, like, uh, Cox Bar, the Angelic Upstarts, like, just, like, you know, oi and skinhead music and stuff like that, and not really getting it, but thinking it was cool. Um, then fast forward, summer going into ninth grade, uh, just sort of the, my best friend Gary and I and uh, our other friend Greg, we sort of all started gravitating a little bit towards punk. Um, this is probably right around, like if I was going to give you a timeline, uh, right around when like Blink-182, damn it, was out, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't huge. Like Blink-182 wasn't huge. Like it wasn't that era. But um, but it was a, punk was a little bit more accepted, I guess. But we were all starting to get into just a little bit more like different, a little more aggressive stuff through skateboarding and all that. And um, so it was the summer going into ninth grade, and I remember my family was on a trip, and my best friend Gary was home. And, he cuts the guy belly open, right, with a knife. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, sorry. It's all good. So, uh, I remember I'm away, and my best friend Gary and Greg go to a show, and they see, it was like, the Get Up Kids, Hot Water Music, somebody else. And I came home, and they were like, you know, where do you go to this show? Where do you go to? And I was like, okay, cool. So, my first show I went to, was uh, Bigwig, who was, uh, I don't know if you know who they are. They were like a bigger pop punk band and a couple other local bands. And one of them was actually this band called Magnus. Um, and so Magnus was a hardcore band. And at this point, like I knew, like I knew Minor Threat, I knew Warzone. For whatever reason, like the first few bands I get into were like, the Misfits, you know, your, your starter bands, you know, the Misfits, No Effects, whatever, and Minor Threat and Warzone. I, I don't know how that happened, mm-hmm. like how those two bands got thrown into the mix, but they did. So I remember going to this show and to see Bigwig, and this band Magnus plays, and they do a Minor Threat cover. They did I Don't Want to Hear It, and I was like, this, this band's the coolest. So... I start, I, I get their demo, and I start going to see them every time they play. So Magnus, actually, at this time, was Dan, who sings in Cold World. Um, this guy, Jody. Um, this kid, Jesse, who's passed away, and this kid, Hans, who's passed away. So before Hans passed away, though, he quit the band, and Nick from Cold World started playing drums with Magnus. And Magnus is just like a, pretty much just like straight up youth crew band. This is... 98 97 time so we're talking like you know like uh, in my eyes floor punch like the biggest bands going so this is like you know pretty straightforward youth crew stuff and i went to probably i was just talking to nick about this the other day i said i think i went to 95 percent of magnus's shows and probably every one of them was in Wolfsburg. 
Uh, and I actually ended up, fast forward a couple of years, I ended up joining Magnus, which was kind of weird. But so my foray was like the starter bands. My first show, I see Magnus, and I was just like, okay, this starter, like, punk's cool. Like, the music's kind of cool, I guess, but I like this. Like, I like this energy. I like how hard people are going. Um, there was just something different about it. I was like, it was what I was always looking for. So it was kind of from, it was really from the outset for me for that. So this whole time while you're going to all these uh, Magnus shows, uh, at what point did you um, pick up the guitar? I started playing guitar when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Um, So my first band, uh, I had a band like before I really started going to shows. It was called Vermicious Canids. It was really, really good. Uh, I don't even okay. think there's a demo. Okay, it's that good that you guys, you guys don't have a demo. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we had a demo. I don't think we ever recorded, but like we did. It, it was it was terrible. Um, and then that didn't really last long, and we split up and pretty much reformed with the exact same members as a band called Frame of Reference. And this was just a straight up hardcore band. Um, so that was I was in frame of reference and I actually heard that demo not that long ago. We did a demo. Uh, this wasn't terrible. And frame of reference played um there was a fest out here, I think you think you've talked about on the podcast called the Positive Numbers Fest. Mm-hmm. Positive Numbers. And the very first Positive Numbers frame of reference was the first band that played. It was like a one day fest at this little fire hall, um, where they still have shows at now actually. And so we played, uh, and that was like the highlight of that band for me, easily. I think we sold like 25 demos. Like, to, to me, 25 demos then was like going quadruple platinum, <laughs> you know, for sure, at man. age 14. I remember uh, our, that show was on listed on Rev's website, and... Because somebody from Rev was on this on that fest that year, I forget who. Um, maybe like we're fearing weapons meet or something. But uh, so frame of reference, his name was on the Rev website, and I remember just like seeing that, like getting home from school one day, seeing that, and like losing my absolute mind that I was on the Rev website. So I had that band. Then I did a band called True Identity. Um, then a band called On Deck. Uh, on deck was like a pretty straight up, just straight edge band. I'm not straight edge anymore. Then, uh, then I did Frostbite. I think Frostbite was kind of the first band that I did, which was like, like had some traction to it. Then Frostbite split up. Uh, and then we started Cold World like a year later, I think. And then did Cold World do cold world kind of and then i started a band called gypsy a little bit after that uh, probably a while after that so that's kind of the and in there i played in war hungry um filled in for a few bands here and there 
So yeah, you definitely um, broke down like uh, like a big chunk of your history. So um, I was actually uh, jamming uh, Frostbite like earlier in the week because uh, when I did that podcast with Shane, he like sent me like the link to listen to uh, Frostbite on YouTube. He's like, dude, he's like, you gotta listen to this. This is like what I was like, you know, jamming like in the early days. So I yeah, I enjoyed the record. I feel like you know it, it still could hold up to this day because I was listening to it like last week. Um, but that's crazy because I, I really had no idea that um, you had so many other bands before Frostbite. So like hearing you like break it down is like pretty insane because like it seems like you were like super active and you're constantly trying to you know do bands, which I think is like really awesome. Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's a it's a curse at that age. It's the only thing you want to do. So you you know you have and especially with like hardcore where hardcore is so nuanced. Around that time, especially like the early 2000s, you couldn't write a song that sounded like Youth of Today and then a song that sounded like the Cro-Mags and have it be in the same band. Like you'll get you'll get ostracized. Like you can't have two different styles. Mm-hmm. So you end up starting like 20 different bands, filling in in bands. I mean, at that age too, that's all I wanted to do. It's just tour. I, another po- thing that I think kind of gets lost in the mix that people don't talk about enough is around that time the idea of playing in a band full time like for a living for a hardcore band was outrageous like you just didn't do it i think that i want to say like i recall when american nightmare was just like we're going to be a band full time and we're just going to do it and that's how we're going to live i remember everybody being like that's insane to me like the only band that could do that is hatebreed like what are you guys thinking Mm -hmm. Maybe I think Converge might have done it, but I mean American Nightmare was different because American Nightmare was pretty much just like a straight up hardcore band, right? So like they were the kind of like the first straight up hardcore band that were just like we're going to make a living doing this. Every other band was like, you know, you do a week, maybe a month, you do weekends. It's yeah, and if you're lucky, you know, your band could buy a van and you know, use some money to you know, buy fireworks or something, but they kind of revolutionized that. So it was never really an option. Like you're playing in all these bands. It's just sort of something to do. So like you didn't have to commit full time to playing in a band. So, I mean, by the time we were doing frostbite, I think frostbite, maybe we could have done it if we wanted to, like that was right around when like it was breaking that you could really do a band full time, but like anything before that, it wasn't even remotely on my radar. Like if you wanted to be in a band full time, you had to sound like, you know, what like fucking simple plan or something stupid like it, it wasn't you weren't going to be in an aggressive band and make a living so it's you were able to diversify your schedule yeah and i i find it interesting now because uh i i started getting into hardcore like around like the early 2000s and uh i, I never really thought about uh you know people doing it like full-time it's a job i just kind of assumed uh, that everybody just, you know, did the band and did the tours and, like, just kind of went back to work and, uh, you know, people would just, like, find time to do it. Like, I never really thought about people being able to actually, like, make it, like, a viable business until, like, I started getting older and I started realizing, like, oh, shit, like, this, like, is actually, like, a thing. Like, like people like, can make a living off of doing this, which, like, I, I never really thought was, like, possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I didn't either for a long time. 
and then I saw it was you know like people doing it and I mean we I never really went gun ho enough that that was what my job was you know I mean I've I've done it and uh, supplemented it with with other jobs and you know toured plenty but it's it's crazy still to me that there's just straight up regular bands like a band whose main influence is breakdown is you know they're putting on their 1040 when they file their tax returns that they're a musician like <laughs> that's outrageous yeah but, but do you think it's um, more possible uh, these days just because of uh, how easier it is to reach people and like e- even though like hardcore is still uh, technically underground it's like way more mainstream than it ever has been I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, I think there's, I, I think there's, you know, you have different revenues to make money. You know, there's online stores, which, you know, really help. Um, I think tours make a lot more money now. Uh, people aren't afraid to charge a couple more dollars for their shirts and, you know, entrance fees. Uh, so it's just somebody figured it out somewhere and i mean the the numbers it shows are pretty much the same i mean that really hasn't changed that that drastically maybe in certain areas but i mean i I don't see you know a thousand kids at a weeknight show or something like that you know still a couple hundred maybe here and there yeah less so there's just different ways to go about doing it now yeah, I'm definitely really curious. Like, I have like a bunch of friends who play in like bands, and I remember uh, one of my friends told me that his band, um, they're like pretty prominent uh, for like a couple years, and then he told me that they were probably going to hang it up or at least just uh, take a long break because they kind of looked at the numbers of uh, stuff that they were selling online, and it drastically dropped, and they felt like kids were kind of like already over it. So they're like, all right, cool. Um, kids are over it. Like maybe it's time just to you know hang it up and not really try anymore because they just saw the drop in sales. And I was like, wow. I'm like, that's really weird to me because I'm like, okay. Like uh, I was like, but people still like the band just because you're not getting as many pre-orders. Like, do you really think that's like the right move to to hang it up? Because uh, you know, kids are uh, you know kids are so like fickle and like everybody's fickle. Well, I went when it comes to music. There's so much new music. Uh, to try to uh, listen to because there's things coming out left and right. So w- when I heard that from one of my friends, I was like, "Oh, that's weird that they would actually call call it quits on the bands because they weren't getting as many pre-orders for stuff that they were selling, even though they were killing it like the year before." Yeah, I mean, I, it, I guess it would have to be like if you're going 100 miles an hour, you don't know how to either go 100 miles an hour or or you stop. Like you don't know how to go 55. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's just some people. That's I never went a hundred, <laughs> so going fifty-five was pretty easy for me. But it certainly is. I mean, the financial aspects to that are one thing. The ego hits to that are not a com- entirely different thing too, though. You know, I mean, really, especially with hardcore. I mean, you think about it, you get you get an EP and an LP. If you get anything more than that you're kind of in a different different like you you're in a different tier mm-hmm. right like not many bands get past the ep and lp and continue to have people be interested 
or two EPs, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so, and it's when you put out that record, that third record, and nobody cares, it's a, you know, that could be a big ego blow. You, know, you see it time and time again. Yeah, I've been lucky that all the stuff we've done has gotten good reactions and we're able to play like we could play today and I feel like it would be a pretty good set. Um, but we're still not, we're like, we're not, we're going to play if we're going to play next to you know, whoever the biggest band, you know, going, whoever that band is with momentum, like uh, it, you just see it like on a fest, like a United blood. There's, a, there's always like one or two bands where they're on the way up and their set is just, you do not, I don't care who you are. You don't want to play after them. Because it doesn't matter. Because that is what everybody's there. They're, you're catching that wave on the way up. Like we're lucky that we're able to play and still have people be into it and like it. But to go after the band to see what you—you're basically seeing what you were, right? And there's just a, a side to that that's could be. It's weird. It's weird to see, and some people can't handle that. Yeah, I've actually been in like a weird situation. So um, this is like years ago. I um, used to be in a hardcore band and um, there was a local show um, happening and my buddy's band from Arizona were driving up and their singer couldn't make it. And I, I knew all the words to the songs just because I, I was a fan of the band and their guitar player, my, my buddy Jeff, he like hit me up. He's like, hey, he's like, is there any way um, you could just like fill in for the one show? Since like, I, I know you know all the words and like you're, we're going to be in your hometown. So I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. So literally, like the, the way the the bill was stacked, it was like um, my band was playing and then my friend's band from Arizona was playing right after. And literally, like my band plays, nobody moshes. Everybody's just standing around. Nobody really cares. And I'm like, all right, this is, you know, whatever. Like I, I'm like used to that. Not a big deal. But then the next set right after it's my friends band from Arizona that I'm filling in for the whole room is going crazy. And I'm like trying to just like process this, like while I'm trying to put on a good show because my friends drove up so far. And I was like, dude, all these same people were in here with my band play, but nobody really fucking cared. And then um, the, the band from Arizona plays and like everybody just goes nuts. And like, I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. It's an ego check. Right. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's it's a strange, strange feeling. Uh, you know, we've I, I've I've had the. You know, we've we've played after the band on the rise a bunch of times, and every time we do it, I'm just like, oh, this sucks. I mean, I remember one of the positive numbers fests. Uh, Frostbite played after Mental, and it was when Mental. I don't know, maybe their first demo, second demo just came out, and. They, they probably had one of the best sets of the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like it's a, it was insane. And then I have to get up there and play. Like this sucks. Like what a terrible draw that is. Uh, but yeah, that could be such a blow uh, to your ego. So, but I mean, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about on the financial side of things, that really. I, I mean, I never even thought about it at that point. Like, you know, so like, I mean, I could see how that could go with the financial side of things. You know, you're selling a ton every week to, you know, screeching to a halt. So, but I don't know. To me, 
it, doing hardcore full time, like being in a hardcore band, whatever it might be, is it, it always sounded so crazy to me, um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, one of which being that when you do it full time, it's like you, and you're you're almost like beholden to this band and this image that you're not really doing. Sometimes people end up doing what they don't want to do. You, know, you put out music you don't want to put out. You put out content you don't really care about because you know you have to play shows that people are going to come see. So, I mean, there's very few bands that were able to, that have been able to do whatever the hell they wanted to, especially in punk and hardcore, and continue to have a fan base. So, and, and hardcore is like one of the most purest expressions there is. So, it's to do that for a living and to get handcuffed into something where you're an evolving and growing person, that's a hard thing to do. I just, I don't know. It, it's tough for me. And, you know, I mean, if I, I feel like if I sat down and wrote a record today, if I wrote a Cold World record today, I don't know. It would probably have parts of, like, the early stuff that we wrote. But just the way that our songwriting's changed, the way that we've changed as people, you know, the different music we listen to, now like it would be a completely different record and i don't care like if i put that out hold on stop fighting i don't know who it's for ask your mom um so like i don't care right like i'm still can pay my bills like i could put out a record of us doing the weirdest stuff on earth and it doesn't matter but if i'm paying my bills through this i have to think about that Right. Like, I can't be like, oh, boy, I don't know if I'm like, should we take a chance and put out something, you know, kind of weird, a little conceptual here? Like, you can't you, you, you kind of lose that ability. A lot of, you know, at least I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like always like a a, a big risk. And I, I notice like when a lot of bands usually try to take that next step or if they, you know, get that big signing and put out that, you know, first record on that new big label, uh, like a lot of times it doesn't go that well. And like, I, I feel like band careers like normally just like fizzle out really fast. Like, uh, like there's so many bands that, that I, I can like think about, like I, I don't want to name because I don't want to like, you know, talk crap about them, but like bands that will you know try to take it to the next step and they just kind of like, like change their sound. And I don't know if that's like record label influence or if that was the direction they're heading in the whole time, but uh, it just never really like ends well for the majority of bands. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, the other part is, is, you know, you see a band signed to a bigger label now. And when they put out a record that sounds different, everybody just assumes, Oh, they're trying to become huge or do something. When in reality, you don't know, maybe they are just putting out what they want to put out. Mm-hmm. And then, so. it, yeah, and then it, it, yeah, it's always like a double edged sword too, because like they're like, all right, cool, like we've made it this far, like let's like you know continue to you know do what we've been doing, but you know, like you said, like people change and grow, and they want to write you know new different stuff, and sometimes the fans don't take and just turn their backs and you know talk trash like oh like you know the new record sucks that band should have quit like a long time ago, so it, it's it's like yeah it, yeah it's always like like a scary path to to kind of try to take. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, if, if you're doing it just as an outlet, playing some shows for fun, more than anything, you get to be like, who gives a shit? But, you know, if I, if my 
kid's health insurance is dependent upon me writing a good mosh part and, you know, not writing something that I actually just enjoy, like, you better be goddamn believing that I'm writing, you know, Master Killer Part 2 just to be able to make sure we got health insurance for this year. Yeah. And yeah, maybe I don't want to write that. So, so um, you start Cold World. Uh, did you have any idea that this would be the band that you would do long term? No. No. Um, mostly because Nick, Dan, and I can be very volatile together. Uh, like, we don't, I, I don't know how to put it. We, I was just talking about to Nick about this the other day. Like, we never once have had a serious argument. Like, we've never had, like, a I'm not talking to you again argument, ever, the three of us. But when we're together, all we do is just bust each other's chops to no end. Um, I mean, I've known those guys since I was 15. So I, I was like, ah, this will be, you know, I, I, I thought maybe we'd do something cool, do something fun. I didn't think it would be, I mean, we wrote the, we recorded the first EP, the first demo or whatever you, it was, uh, 16 years ago. So if you were to ask me then, if you were to tell me then in 16 years, Cold World was still a thing, I'd be pretty baffled. Um, you know, I, I, we wanted to do something different, but different doesn't always work, too. True. So that was another thing. I mean, when we first came out, uh, I remember saying that we wanted to be a band that you either loved or hated. Like, I didn't want to be that band that you just walk by. And sometimes you try doing that, and all you are is the band that people hated. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, because you got to take that risk. Cause you, you never you never know how people are going like, to react. No. So we, you know, in the first 7-inch was cool, and we really liked it. And, you know, a lot of people, would, you know, told us, like, wow, this is... You know, it's different. It's really interesting. You have something. But it didn't really click until when we did the Ice Grill 7-inch. That was when it was like, okay, I think maybe we're doing something a little more interesting. Like, we're doing something different here now. Uh, like, we kind of really kind of got our own style. So, once that happened, I thought that maybe we, you know, we might have, we might be able to do this. We might be able to do something with it. Um, but it took a little bit to, you know, it takes that, sometimes it takes that second seven inch to find your groove. Mm -hmm. And uh, a second EP. How old were you at that point? Oh, daddy! I was, when we started the band, I was 20 turning 21. Daddy! Okay. Damn, yeah, 16 so years ago. I'm 37 now. That sounds like a lifetime Yeah, that's ago. how I know that, because we finished recording the first record on my 21st birthday. Oh, wow. Because I only remember that because we had a couple friends there that were making fun of me for drinking. Shout out to my friend Chris Nason, Nick Joka. Oh, so, so you uh, sold out on your 21st birthday. 
No, no, I was oh. drinking a couple. I was drinking for a while at that oh. point. But okay, but they're still straight edge, and they are. I mean, I'm. I haven't been straight edge for probably half my life now, and those guys still think it's funny to Just call me a sellout and bust my balls. <laughs> for sure, those those are good friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, uh, I, I feel like. He, I, I used to have a roommate who a uh, huge Cold World fan. So that's how I found out about Cold World. He just was like super fan and like would not like shut up about you guys when he found out about you. So uh, shout out to Andrew for telling me about Cold World. And I, I, thanks, so, Andrew. Yeah, uh, shout out to Andrew. So I, I feel like I'm since I started hardcore, like you guys had like you know already been a band and you guys have always been around. But I, I feel like, uh, like obviously, in these more recent years, uh, you guys have just been like a little more rare. And I, I was just curious, like, at, at any point, it, it, did you like see things going this way, or um, did it all just kind of happen because like, life just kind of takes over? As far as like, just like the band, yeah, the just, band in life. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, just like the, the band not being full time. Well. We, there's been like different points. I mean, um, one point, uh, our drummer Nick had a job that kind of consumed him. So we were playing tours, playing shows without Nick. Then Dan, our singer, um, who already has, he, ha he had a, Dan had a daughter when he was 15. And actually, Dan's grandson is a year above my oldest daughter in the same school. Um, oh, but wow. uh, Dan and his girlfriend, who he's still with, uh, Hannah in England, they ended up, they got pregnant um, with a little girl. And so that kind of, we still played shows, but obviously, you know, as a, an infant, you can't really play as much. Then... Right around then, I decided to go to law school, so I stopped being able to play as much. And then that's when our friend Arthur started playing with us and filling in for me, and then sometimes we'll do three guitars, too, uh, with Arthur playing. That's awesome. But um, Yeah, it's like it's one of my favorite things to do. But uh, so it was kind of, it was just like different, different points of adult life kind of taking over and putting the brakes on things. And now Dan lives in England, which makes it even harder. You know, people ask us, hey, do you want to, we'd love it if you could play this benefit show or like this one-off show or something. And I'll just tell them like, it's not worth it. Like you're going to have to pay for Dan to fly from England, Skase to fly from Phoenix. Like, like, you know, we have... Uh, basically we play like fests and you know weekends here and there at this point because of that yeah that's crazy that you guys are all so spread out yeah so I mean it just it, it costs a lot of money for us to all get together and play mm -hmm. and when was the last time you guys all got together and played a show because I, I think the last time I saw Cold World was at Sound and Fury 2018 yeah I didn't play that yeah. um, we played uh, some shows, uh, Vans shows, 
Um, and then we played, uh, we played some show like Vans put on shows. I remember that. Uh, yeah. the, the shoe company. We actually did that with George from Blacklisted Singing. And then we were supposed to play United Blood, and we were all going to do that because it was going to be us and War Hungry uh, playing. And that obviously got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that would have been cool. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you remember why you weren't able to attend Sand and Fury? Um, I, work, work stuff. I'm sure. Okay, interesting. I mean, I I work constantly, so getting off for a few, you know, practice, then fly, then go do that, and then my stars kind of have to align for me at this point to travel about play and uh, does that uh, bother you at all that sometimes they have to do gigs without you or is that just like you know you're used to it by now no at this point i'm i'm fine with it uh i mean it's it sucks i wish i could play every show mm-hmm. um but at the same time like i'm not gonna stifle everybody else's ability to do this because my schedule is so hectic and crazy So, and it's, you know, it's one of my favorite people in the world is filling it, you know, he's not filling in, he's in the band. Like we, he's just in the band. So like one of my favorite people plays and I know he's playing, he's a killer guitar player. So I know he's playing the farts, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, sometimes maybe playing a little better than me. I'll never admit that, but he might think it. So I'm totally cool with it. It's. It's fine, and plus it get you know it keeps Cold World going, which is a fun thing to do. Um, people still like it; it means a lot to a lot of people, which is crazy uh, for it to mean something to so many people this much later. Yeah, I, I, I did like a, a, a Twitter search yesterday just to see like what the word was, like see what people were tweeting about, like when it came to Cold, cold World and. Uh, sounds like a lot of positive stuff, you know. People saying like, you know, Cold World's the best band like ever. And I, was yeah. like, I was like, this is awesome. Seeing like, uh, you know, people just being super positive about it, like on Twitter, where it can you know, be like a negative place. Yeah, it's what, buddy? No, get out of my headphones, you goof. Um, sorry. It's all good. Uh, y- yeah, I mean, well, it's also at a point where it's like we're at a point in our career where. Or career. That's a, what a weird word to use for this. For Cold World, um, we're at a point in the band, I guess, where we've been a band long enough that we're not doing anything. You know, we're not doing anything offensive to piss anybody off, and the only people that are probably thinking about us are people that enjoy us. You know, or maybe like a couple people here and there might say something like, "I never got it." You know, which is fine. Like you weren't supposed to if you didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, if we were just coming up, I think you'd see a lot more shit talk i mean that was well i mean i remember when our first demo came out um nick just did an interview with damien from fucked up on his podcast and nick said like you know before our first show if you would have asked me i would have thought that not a person on earth liked us like we got shredded online by a lot of people and then we put out a song the first time we put out a guitar solo and record scratching 
It was the first Cold World song anybody could ever hear. And so a lot of people didn't really take to that on the internet. And we played a show and it was bonkers. So, uh, you know, if that was today, I'm sure you'd see a lot more, <laughs> a lot more negativity on Twitter than you see in currently. Yeah, I always find that um, funny that uh, when like a band tries something new, uh, like people are just so quick to talk trash about it. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of expected. Um, I mean, I th- I don't think as much anymore. Uh, you know, when we put out when we put out uh, the Ice Girl seven inch, and I was you know there's that's the first record I sing on. And people, like, the singing songs had a crazier reaction than the songs like, samples and scratches in it. Mm-hmm. Like, people couldn't believe that there was singing in a hardcore band. I'm like, how is this weird? Like, <laughs> this has been going on in hardcore for years. Like, and in other current bands, like, Blood for Blood existed, for instance. Yeah. Right? Like, Blood for Blood, they sing. Uh, so, it... it, it but people just couldn't get over it. And it was like the weirdest thing to them. And like, you know, we had metal, you know, a little bit more of like a metal influence to it. And people couldn't get over that at points. So it was, it, it was, it was crazy. It was like, if you listen to it now, it sounds like, you know, it, it sounds about as regular of a record as you could find. You know yeah. what I mean? Compare the Ice Girl 7-inch to... Uh, a turnstile LP. Yeah, the turnstile LP is way crazier musically than a Cold World seven inch. Yeah, definitely for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was so like at that time. I mean, it was very formulaic. I mean, I remember when Mental put out Planet Mental and Justice put out Escapades, and they weren't, you know, straight up, you know, New York crew youth of today sounding underdog sounding they were more you know into another ish and people couldn't get over it it was it was like a slap in the face to a lot of people so like and now that says that's common and accepted and it's okay at any point did you like uh did the negativity ever get to you guys not me it it got Nick at first, to admit that or not, I remember it. It uh, love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. So when people were hating it, I was like, "All right, cool, hate it. It's not for you." Yeah, well, that's awesome that that you had that mindset and you're able to continue to keep writing records for Cold World. Yeah, I mean, ooh, excuse me, sorry, drinking some LaCroix here. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, the the momentum definitely picked up and it got crazy. So it was kind of impossible not to keep writing records. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so much fun. And then Nick and I are just, when Nick and I would sit down and write a record, it would it write itself pretty much. So it wasn't it, it it was weird to not that it's weird to me that Nick and I didn't write more together with it, to be honest. Because of how much how well Nick and I could write together. 
So. Dad, is Dad awful or Dad good? I forgot my goggles. Yeah, it's just been a, yeah, it's it's been a wild, wild thing doing that band. <laughs> so it's been a long time since you released the last record. How the gods chill? Uh, are there any plans to do another record or an EP? We kick it around. We, I mean, we have a group chat. It's about as active as we get, and uh, we have a group chat. We every now and then we kick around doing an EP or something like that. And I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we did it. Because uh, I'd really like to write a song or two with Nick and Arthur. We've never done that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun to do. But um, <clears throat> it's also finding the time, finding the ability to do that. For me, at least. For those guys, I mean, they all live to get near each other. They're all, you know. Well, skate. Actually, Skate, Dan, and I all have kids now. So Skate just had a little girl. That makes it harder. So I mean, you can tell right now. I'm taking cover off a pool. My wife's running out. So, like, <laughs> I can't even talk to somebody for an hour. Yeah, no without chaos and insanity. Uh, in one of the old interviews that, that I read, um, you mentioned that you're, uh, you know, just always like writing riffs. And I'm curious, is that still the, the case today? Yeah. Are, are you still actively writing stuff on your guitar? Well, yeah, I mean constantly. It's, I mean, if I pick up a guitar, it's when I pick up a guitar, it's I'm writing something. Like it might be just writing something and I forget about it. It might be writing something that I think is cool, recording it. But yeah, I'm constantly writing something. None of it sounds the same. Uh, but I mean that's just part of. You know, that's just how some people are, you know, like some people are just wired that way that you can't help it. You pick up your instrument. That's just what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like your, your writing process has changed over the years or is it still pretty much the same? Um, yeah, I think it's pretty much the same. I've tried different things. Like I always <laughs> I'm always reading about people who are like, oh, you're supposed to start a song with a melody and then write the song around the melody. And I'm just like, I have no idea how to do that. That makes no sense to me. I I don't know what you're talking about. So I've tried that, but it's just been the same thing to me. Just sort of either getting inspiration from somewhere and thinking of it and then picking the guitar up or just kind of noodling around and playing and then putting it down. So... I mean, I I wrote a song. I actually have a demo of a new Gypsy song. Well, not Gypsy, whatever it would be called, uh, that we did not so long ago. And it's, I mean, it's probably my favorite song I've ever written. So I'm hoping I could do something with that at some point. Because uh, hoping to, just because I really like the song, but at the same time, I'm like, it's just also a visceral thing to just write and record music you know yeah that you can't you, you can't get rid of no matter how many kids or <laughs> how many kids you have how busy your job is all that stuff and 
uh, how many songs do you have for that uh, whatever it is that project what was that uh, how many songs do you have you said you, you just wrote that that one one but are there more it, it, i i actually have probably like 20 but we i just played and recorded just one of them so far that, that's a lot of songs yeah <laughs> it's but i'm also tech technologically impaired so like where a lot of people could take that and record that themselves and put it out and do all that that's just i never i never learned how to do that and i'm too impatient to at this point yeah for sure i'm I'm sure you have a full plate to try to pick up something like you know that hard like yeah that would take a lot of time yeah yeah, but I'm the same way. Like I, even though that I, I I do this podcast, I'm like still like constantly learning because like I've gotten this far by like watching YouTube videos and reading stuff on Reddit. Yeah, I mean you have to. You have to hone your craft, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm, I'm like constantly like uh, I, I always like am like really critical because I'll like obviously like I feel like I hear the podcast in a different way versus like you know just like the normal people listening just because I hear it like. Uh, right after it's recorded and then like the way that I edit it like I, I hear it in every different stage so like certain things will like bother me and I'll want to change it so I, I'm always just trying to find new ways to like improve it um, you know based off like the way that I hear it yeah I mean that's I mean anything you want to get better at there's only one way to do it right I mean there's you know you become a better anything just by doing it more no matter what it is and by learning and paying attention and continuing to learn and get better at it mm-hmm. so i mean whether it's doing a podcast whether it's writing songs whatever so i mean you, you just can't stop <laughs> and if that's what's part of you you know how, how can you stop yeah for so, sure i definitely feel that i i feel like this like uh, like I, i've been doing like the podcast consistently for probably like uh like two years and like i don't even know what i, what I would do if i wasn't doing the podcast Yeah, I mean that's it. Just becomes so ingrained in part of your life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I'm like you know happy to hear that the door isn't completely closed on uh, another Cold World record. No, it'll never be closed. I mean, we could be 95 years old and we'll still be talking about it at least. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, hell yeah. Okay, well, uh, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, I, I know we've talked about it, like you know, through DMs. Uh, you're a fan of Disney. Yes, and one thing I, yeah. I, I I found interesting was you mentioned that like you didn't really become a fan until you started going with your kids. Yeah, I couldn't have cared less about it. Like I thought it was, <clears throat> pardon me, I thought it was weird. Uh, like people that liked Disney, like I was in that camp of like, what's wrong with people? This is there's something there's something seriously ill uh-huh. if you enjoy this place. Okay. And you're above the age of seven, right? So, um, when we, I remember we went down. I mean, I can tell you the exact moment. We went down. Um, we took my daughter down. Uh, my in-laws live down there, and my parents are down there. So we go to in Florida. So we go to Florida quite a bit, and we went to Disney World. And my oldest, Julia, uh, has a language delay, and we were still trying to figure out 
you know, what it was, what was going on with her, getting all sorts of tests, diagnoses, and evaluations. And she met uh, Cinderella. And she just, like, opened and talked and made eye contact and talked to Cinderella. And it was the first stranger she did that with ever. Wow. And... Like, it, it just instantly gave me that connection mm-hmm. with this place. And, like, that, I remember, like, I remember walking down Main Street and being, like, I went twice when I was a kid. And I remember walking down Main Street and just remember thinking, like, oh, so I guess it really isn't that cool as an adult. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, look, it's fake, it's overpriced, blah, blah, blah. Going into the area where she meets Cinderella, and just walking out and being like, like I was like hit in the head with like a stick where I was like, okay, this is the best place on earth. That's crazy. I've never heard a story like that. That's, that's really awesome. Uh, beforehand, uh, has she seen Cinderella, the, the, the movie? Was she familiar with the princess at all? Or do you guys just decide to go no. randomly meet her? No, like at that point, like she... I mean, she was, she was our only daughter at that, I have three kids, I think I said that, but uh, she was our only kid at that point, and, like, she had no interest in any of, anything that wasn't, like, computer-generated animation. Oh, wow. Um, she had no interest in. So, like, there was just something about that Cinderella that, it was a different kid. Mm-hmm. And, and is she a fan now? What was that? Is she a fan now? Of... Cinderella. Yeah, yeah, that's her. That's like her favorite princess now. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's a cool yeah, story. It, yeah. So, I have like a very different relationship with that place, mostly due to that. Um, and one of my best friends here too. He has a son who's totally nonverbal, and he is the exact same way. Like when he goes to Disney World, he's like a different kid. Mm-hmm. So. Like, he and I both have just become infatuated with it. Like, constantly sending each other, you know, different blog posts and YouTube videos and, you know, just going down that rabbit hole. Okay. So, I'm not, like, super familiar with, like, uh, all, the, like, the vloggers on that side of um, the, the country. Like, the only one that I'm really familiar with is uh, Tim Tracker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, like I, I love the way that, that he does his videos. So I, I've, I've, and I've actually seen him in California, which is like pretty crazy. Oh, I agree. Yeah, he does a great job editing his videos. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's so many. Mm-hmm. And then once he, like, if you dive down like the the Twitter hole into that stuff too, that's it gets it's insane. Like, uh, <laughs> I've seen. You know, all sorts of subcultures in different facets of social media, whether it be message boards, Twitter, whatever. Mm-hmm. There is nothing as stupid as Disney people on Twitter. Like, it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, the biggest dorks in the world arguing over the dorkiest things on Earth. Okay, and it's, oh, Real quick, it's, it's incredible. I love it want to put a pause on disney just for one quick second um 
uh, I wanted to ask you about Twitter. Uh, I, I saw somebody uh, tag, uh, which I thought was you, at uh, uh, Alex Russin. But I, when I clicked the link, it said an uh, account was suspended. So I'm not sure. Is that your Twitter account that got suspended? Or is your Twitter still active? I think so. I was just on Twitter today. I don't think I've been suspended. I don't know what it would have been suspended for. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll have to double check. I hope not. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to double check. But okay. Because I, I just clicked the at and it, it said account suspended. So I wasn't sure if that was yours or if it was like an old one. I think mine actually might be Alex Russ and Esquire. I forget. Okay, that, that okay for sure. They, they, they might have just tagged tagged you wrong. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Because I had Twitter, then I deleted it, then I got it again. Okay. That, I go in those. I'm one of those like go in cycles of like, oh, I'm I'm good without social media. Then I'm like, who am I kidding? <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I definitely get that. I I think about it every now and then, like if I could uh, just get rid of it but like no it, it actually helps me out like you know w with the podcast and like spreading the word and oh it, yeah yeah so it's a good tool to have yeah i mean i i i hate facebook hate facebook but i get you know i, I make one stupid post on there making a joke and you know i get three people hitting me up asking me to do the do a deed or a will or something like that i'm like Guess I can't get rid of it if I want to keep paying my bills. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a weird tool that helps you out. Yeah, it's a and it's a tool I hate, <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> yeah, like hate it, especially like right now. Like, oh, it's just it's the worst of the worst. It's incredible. There's something that could do so much good. How terrible people could be on those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes you look at the world in a weird way. Like when I get on social media and just see like uh, just some people, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, they they a lot of I don't know. It's it's that feeling of it's this weird feeling of protection because you're just writing it from wherever. As you know, then there's also and you you can't get arrested or beat up or whatever then there's also this weird feeling of having to present yourself in a light that is likely not real um there's so much not good that could come of social media there's very few good things but the good things are great yeah no for sure i, I you know i mean like, you like all the information for the protests, uh, just you know, people making everybody aware of where things are going on, where you know places to avoid, things like that. That's wouldn't be able to be spread as well as it is without social media. Yeah, I've, so you got to, you know, you got you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I, I've I've said it before on the podcast, like. Twitter is where I get my news because everything moves so fast and like it everything's on Twitter so that's where I go to first like whenever I'm trying to see like what's going on with like whatever like I'm trying to like look into yeah I can see that yeah I mean it's uh, especially like in just when you you're paying like events like I mean the if you're trying to pay attention to the protests in real time I don't know where you can pay attention to them except for Twitter at the most part. Yeah. And everything else is going to be so delayed and so 
basically, you know, you're going to be 20 minutes in this is three weeks. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the one of the first times where I thought Twitter was like the coolest thing was um, Sound and Fury 2010. 2010 um where uh, there was like an incident during backtrack set some guy came into the venue with like a motorcycle do you remember that i was there i didn't play that year but i was there oh you're there okay interesting uh, okay so yeah yeah so guy shows up the motorcycle uh you know fights like you know security shit show the show gets uh shut down and then i remember like people were like, like there's so many bands that still haven't played like somebody has to put on a house show and then i remember like like twitter was like still like a, like a newer thing at that point and um it, it just kind of spread on twitter like hey there's a house show like like here's the address like just show up and i remember we went to this house show and it was just insane like the amount of kids that were there and the fact that it actually happened in this random neighborhood was just like insane i was like okay i was like this twitter thing's actually pretty cool yeah that it was it was foundation tiger's jaw right yeah and it got shut down during tiger's jaw no it got shut down during um uh, no, because Tiger's Jaw finished set. I forgot who was playing after them. I can't remember. Uh, Did Brace War play? Yeah, it was like during Brace Wars, like, yeah, when it uh, was getting shut down, when the cops showed up. Yeah, I remember I came out, I was in a car with, I think, Skase or somebody, and we were trying to, like, it was like, Skase, me, and then somebody who was local, I can't remember who, who was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly how to get there. They, I mean, it might as well have been me given the directions like we we i remember getting there and like pulling up and everybody just being like yeah it's over it was crazy it was like all right it's nice <laughs> that's wild and, and you're just out like just like on vacation just to hit the fest or i don't know why i went uh i just i was there i, I don't remember somebody must have played that i don't know i just decided to go Oh yeah, that's cool. I think it was like, and that's the only fest I've ever traveled to that I didn't play. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that if that was yeah when that happened, that was. I have this distinct image of Joey, uh, who put the fest on that year, who runs six one three one. His face just pure anger and terror, screaming, "Stop it!" and just yelling at like. I don't even know if there was any people around him. He was just like so angry. He just started yelling. Oh, I felt so bad for him. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, I remember. I was, I was standing like I, I was like in the pit, and I remember uh, like my back was uh, to the entrance, and I remember hearing what I thought sounded like a motorcycle. So I turned around and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, there's actually a motorcycle here? This is crazy!" And like, I never got out of the yeah. way because I was like, "I don't know what this guy's gonna do, and I don't want to get hurt." I was standing outside when he like he like walked past me, and I, I, he's like a friend of a friend. I don't really know him. Uh-huh. Um, I think we've met, but I remember just like seeing him roll up on his motorcycle and like start riding it like into the venue. I was like, oh, "That's peculiar." And then, <laughs> and then next thing I know, like I'm still out back, and the next thing I know, there's just like this wave of people just running out and fighting and doing all this stuff and. It was it was it was wild. Yeah, and uh, it was so strange because I'm like, like I just remember thinking like, how the hell did he just like mosey on in with the motorcycle? Nobody tried to stop him. <laughs> just it's just so wild. <laughs> yeah, 
I, uh, that was really funny. <laughs> so, so you could have prevented the whole motorcycle incident. Yeah, I guess I could have. But I, I mean, I really like. I just saw him going in, and I was like, ah, oh, I okay. Yeah. I guess yeah. Like, maybe he's parking his motorcycle in there. I don't know. Like, yeah, just... it didn't like. It, I wasn't like, oh, he's about to go circle pit with that. Like that dot did not connect to the next dot. For sure. Yeah. No. That that's totally logical because like I don't think anybody would have ever thought that would happen. Yeah, that was that was something else. That's crazy. The the, the, the fallout was crazy, uh, but yeah, just that that incident was that that was a moment in time. Yeah, I, I oh my god, I, just Joey's face. Yeah, I, I see him and I see him. I I know his wife as well. I see those two and their kid at uh, Disney World. Like we always go at the same time, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so Joey actually lives out here now uh in boston mm-hmm. so so but yeah I, what like i'm just surprised that they had it at the same venue the following year i was like oh i was like i, I can't believe that they actually like allowed it to happen again <laughs> yeah there's it's moved around a few places right where's it at now yeah okay well so um this year it was supposed to be in a new spot it was supposed to um it was going back to ventura but it was going to hit the um ventura fairgrounds okay the first year i played it i think was the second year of it okay so that was um, up at the the alpine yeah mm-hmm. that venue was awesome yeah yeah awesome place that that doesn't exist anymore right no no it's not around anymore yeah, that venue was sick. And then, then there was the place where there was the motorcycle. Oh, and then there was, then the, there was like that one place that was in like a strip mall almost. That was in two thousand nine. Yeah, that was like uh, the year. Yeah, like Guns Up, uh, Title Fight played that year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My friend Drew, who actually who was in Gypsy, uh, actually I think Gypsy was on tour. Yeah, Gypsy played that. Mm-hmm. Um. We played, uh, that was, we toured with Title Fight, Foundation, Alpha Omega, uh, and, uh, was Mother of Mercy on that tour? I can't remember. But we played that, and I remember being there, and Drew, who was in Gypsy and Mother of Mercy, got stabbed during Rival Mob. That's crazy. I, some, I, some, like, dirt punk, just, like, like, stabbed him with, like, some, like shitty little like two inch like tearing knife that's crazy i didn't know that so I, I heard about that stabbing but i didn't know you knew the guy that's that's wild yeah yeah he's from here well he's from doylestown mm-hmm. he was all right i mean he wasn't that bad yeah but nobody ever saw the guy again like he stabbed him like he stabbed him and he like vanished into thin air it's like mission accomplished <laughs> he, he did what he needed to do and just went home apparently that's crazy like, what was great like drew didn't even do anything like like i, I know it was crazy like, like really did nothing for that to occur so that's kind of an aside but yeah i love sound Fury. Yeah, love it same i think here. they do a great job with that um haven't been in a while and would like to get back out to one yeah. i think all those guys have always done a fantastic job uh, had some really fun shows there. That that title fight set was sick, though. Yeah, that was 
really awesome show. Uh, that's something I'll, I'll never forget. That was my first time seeing them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and then I just saw a video, I guess it like just got posted, them playing, what is it, Ukraine Club? Okay, yeah, uh, uh, that was in L.A. Yeah, that looked incredible. Yeah, that was like a big room. I saw... Yeah. I saw American Nightmare and Trash Talk there on New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. That would be a crazy place to see them. Yeah. Didn't Bad Seed play that year at 2009? I think they did. They did, yes. Yeah, that was a, the only time I saw Bad Seed. Yeah. That was yeah towards the end of Bad Seed. <laughs> Things started going awry for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but but it's crazy. Like, uh, uh, you know, like people still love that band to this day. I I feel like they could play a show and it, it would still pop off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just funny to me. It's like they were, you know, they were not a band for long, and they had the most tumultuous history of a band. Like Rifkin and Saba, the drummer and guitar player. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, it was the quintessential husband and wife that hate each other <laughs> okay and like oh god they i mean they i don't know how many times they like they just yelled at each other called each other names like hated each other like it's it was one of my favorite things to witness yeah and- for, especially for a band that didn't last I mean, they really weren't a band that long yeah that was a couple years right it, I, I, it could have been. I thought it was a couple months, but it was a couple months in my eyes. Okay, yeah, it was really fast because I remember. You know, what's crazy is I, I found out about them and like MySpace was still a thing. That like that's how long ago it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they people really liked them, and I mean, I think the idea of like them being in a lot of those guys being in Title Fight and then being in like a band that sounded like that was interesting to a lot of people especially when so many people around that age you know around their age got into hardcore through title fight Mm -hmm. so i think that's always a a part of why bad seed had the mystique that they had why are you crying what happened the, yeah, I know the flamingo pop. It's okay. <laughs> this is the flamingo. It's all good. Uh, what was that? I know I said it, it, it's all good. Uh, that's fine. Come here. <laughs> I hope you edit this out so it doesn't sound like I'm. So nobody calls child services on me. I know, it's all good. Yeah, I, I, I could totally try it out. It's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, Here, bud, sit down. Uh, the dog just popped all the, the pool floats, so that's going over well. That's crazy. Uh, not our friend. And they're telling the dog that they're not her friend. <laughs> Because the dog popped all their stuff. That's, yeah. That's sad. The dog was probably just excited to get out. 
<laughs> the dog just wanted to get in the pool. <laughs> they just tried to shred their stuff. That's crazy. Like, it's a dog. What do you think the dog's going to do? Yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting, um, you know, uh, uh, Tile Fight, you know, they had, uh, you know, members played in Bad Seed uh, and people thought that was really awesome. And then I, I look at a band like uh, Code Orange and th- they all play in a other band called I- Adventures, which I think is super sick. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like uh, obviously Code Orange just like took off like crazy, you know, nominated for uh, Grammy, doing like big tours, um, writing bigger records. And obviously uh, they were super focused on that. But like somebody like me, like I would love to hear a- another Adventures record. Yeah, that would be. I mean, I like when yeah. I love when bands do like can step aside and do a different yeah. genre, like a different I'm style, but in like the same umbrella of like punk and hardcore. I'm. Like, I remember there was a band from Allentown uh, called Atari, like a youth crew band. Uh, and they had, there was, do you know that band Jazz June? Yeah, I'm, like I'm, I'm not, fam- band. not familiar. They were bigger at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed to have been forgotten about in the lexicon of that world. But uh, they they had members of Atari. I remember just being like, this is the coolest thing ever. They're like, these guys can play in bands that sound like, uh, you know, just like a straight up hardcore band and bands that have, that sound like, you know, an emo band. Um, cause like in Wilkes-Barre, that was like emo was probably bigger than hardcore. So like you went to pretty much every show, like you went to hardcore shows, you went to emo shows, you went to punk shows. Like you didn't, and you liked it all and it's so like then when you find out like these people who there's punk and hardcore and stuff like that and playing those other types of bands i don't know to me i always found that really cool so like i like it when bands like you know code orange does something like that yeah, no, I definitely agree because I'm a fan of like all types of music. So when I, I know that uh, a band like Code Orange is doing something like Adventures, I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Like, obviously, their their range is like way more than just Code Orange. Yeah, I and mean, then it's it's really cool when it just and then when the title by Bad Scene thing, I think undoubtedly like might have been one of the crazier ones especially because of how how wild bad teachers would get mm-hmm. like they're set at united blood whatever year that was was like one of the wildest sets i was ever i've ever seen like that's not like no hyperbole it was just constant everywhere you turned people were just smashing other people and it was very aggressive so there's something about that kind of you know the, that light in the dark you see the two people you know, you know they're in two different bands but you're kind of associating them and i think some people kind of really take to the you know this the you know for lack of a better term the side project because it's that other side that they don't get to see too often yeah definitely Makes me uh, think about now. Just think about you doing like a uh, gypsy. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh that that was one of that was really fun i love that lp uh wish we would have done more with that that's kind of one of my big musical regrets is not jumping down that harder well you have 20 songs you said earlier right minimum <laughs> uh, i feel like the, the, but, it's right there for you yeah i mean nobody's touring now so it really wouldn't be that big of a deal to not tour true <laughs> and uh, you know just record like I, I feel like you can just like you know pick like out of that 20 put out a record and you don't have to tour you can just uh, be a, a regional thing which i think is like pretty awesome so people could know that okay they're in this part of the country um they're like all right cool like there's a chance a gypsy show could be happening i, I feel like it could be a thing. yeah yeah but at the same time i don't think if i did it i don't think i would want to do it as gypsy like just because like even though like, i would want to play gypsy songs uh-huh. uh from the first lp but like i just want to like redefine it just because i don't like the idea of hitching onto something that was uh and hoping to get something from that like i don't know i just would rather start fresh okay well yeah i, I guess you could go that route as well too just as long as yeah i, I feel like if, if you're sitting on like that much music like it might be like a crime not to put it out yeah actually uh the one day i was uh i was driving and it was super icy and i was like shit i'm like this is like I'm like, I'm like this this is it i'm like i'm gonna die i don't know why it's just like it was like dark like i was super sleepy it was icy and i remember just texting my brother ned and being like hey uh if i die on this ride home i called and i was like hey if i die on this ride home I was like find all the songs that i've recorded and record them for me and put them out and he was just like uh sure that's it's like how about you just he's like how about you just don't die i was like all right, deal. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine getting that phone call. That that's a lot of pressure to to put on somebody. <laughs> I've probably made that call a few times, to be honest. Okay. All right. Also, it wasn't like you know something that he hadn't um, already experienced. Yeah, but no, I'm because I'm just like yeah, I don't want them to go to waste uh-huh. and do nothing. I mean, I don't know if anybody would ever care about them, but at the same time, it'd be kind of cool just to have. Like, it's the one thing that. There's very few things humans can do that last beyond them, you know, and uh, to be able to make something, whatever that is, that could last infinitely. Like there's no place where any of these things are going to go is really special. Um, And yeah, you get a little bit older, you start to think about stuff like that. When you're young, you're not thinking, you know, I'm not 22 and sitting there thinking like, Oh wow! This uh, this mosh part is going to live well beyond my years. You know, my grandchildren will hear this. Like, I don't think that. I'm just like, oh wow, people are really going to fuck each other up to this. Yeah. Uh, but as you get older, you start thinking kind of in different terms of like, you're making something that's not necessarily going to be appreciated, but it will exist if people want to find it. They can find it. Yeah, I, no. I definitely feel like as I've gotten older, there's been a shift where I kind of realized that um, I'm not going to live forever. And, you know, we're all going to kind of get to the, the end of the road at some point. So I'm 
I, I feel like that's why like a, a part of me is like you know keeping this like podcast going because like, I kind of want to just like try to do something positive for the community and just kind of like have some sort of impact like you know and hopefully it's a positive one and just try to inspire more people to do stuff and keep it going yeah yeah I mean it's hard not to think like that sometimes like once you start thinking like that you can't stop right like once you start thinking you know what's my obituary gonna say like did I do enough with this time you can't stop thinking like that, you know, no matter what that is, like it's, it's important to use your time the right way. And sometimes it's hard to think about that, especially like when you're wrapped up in the moment, um, you know, you're, you're doing a thousand things, but you know, you can kind of sit back and look at what you really want to accomplish and try to accomplish that. I think that's key. You know, that's, uh, that's one of the keys to life, right? Like, like sitting down, sitting, like, what's your ultimate goal? What, what do you really want to do? Not necessarily be remembered for, but what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like, do you want to, you know, do you want to make art? Do you want to help people? Do you want to start a business? Like, what is it? And pursuing that. Because, like, it, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, any meal could be your last. Do you want your last meal to be a salad? Like, yeah, it's it's a weird analogy. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, like if I had a salad and I got hit by a truck and died, you know, whatever afterlife there is, I'd be really pissed off that the last meal I had was a salad and not a Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know, so like, it, like in the same regards, like if I got hit by a truck and I'm looking back and I'm like, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z, I didn't do it. Because, quote unquote, I didn't have the time, I'm going to be really pissed off. So, it's these are things like you start thinking about as you're older. And, like, one of the things that I'm very thankful that I've been able to do is, uh, you know, I, I've loved music my whole life. I've always kind of have a, a knack for it over anything else that I've been able to do was, you know, play music and play guitar and write songs. Um, and I'm glad I actually was able to do something with that to be beyond me. You know, like the fact that other people like it is awesome. The fact that I was able to do it is even more incredible and do it with people I really care about. Yeah. And I, I've, I've told you this, uh, I, I credit cold world for, um, you know, uh, opening my eyes to, you know, the, you're part of the world, Wilkes-Barre. Like, I, I had no idea that, you know, that city even existed until I heard Cold World. So whenever I, I think of your area, like, Cold World definitely comes to mind. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... Wilkes-Barre itself, I mean, you could do a whole podcast on just how weird Wilkes-Barre is. And the fact that, like, there was a... There has been, like, a punk and hardcore scene here for as long as it has and why that is... Um, uh, yeah, I think there's a whole multitude of reasons like location, um, uh, economics, uh, just sort of like the people here. And it's always been, it's always been something here. So it's, it's really cool to kind of have been able to be one of the bands that took Wolfspare to uh, something beyond a place for people to see shows and take us take our area out of the area. Mm-hmm. 
and these days are, are you still uh, you know uh, do you still keep up with uh, what's going on like out there like in in, in Wilkesboro, I try my best to um, yeah I mean I, I don't go to nearly as many shows as I'd like to for whatever reason I feel like every show nowadays is on a weeknight so and that's just tough for me um, but yeah I mean like if there's a show going on uh, I, I remember I read an interview Vogel did once and he was like if there's a show and it's going on and I'm not at it it feels weird and I was like yeah that's exactly how I feel still like 37 years old you know doing homework with my kids and I'm like I this doesn't feel right to me that like I'm not at this show like I'm not on top of like every single band like I don't you know there's de definitely not like you know if a new band has a demo out it's you know I, I might have heard it but um more so just like if it's like brought to me from friends or you know i try my best to keep on top of all the wilkes-barre bands yeah it's because you, you mentioned choice to make so like i, I was like, i'm happy to hear that you know at least you're familiar with choice to make because i love that band yeah. those guys are really awesome yeah yeah they're doing good uh, i mean one step closer is obviously you know becoming the baby of the scene here you know they're doing big things yeah huge. and i love seeing that yeah awesome band great guys yeah yeah i i hope they keep pushing i know they they're writing an lp uh and uh ryan sent me some of the songs are really cool um but they just have they have a good good style and there's like a I love that they're just doing pretty much just like a straight up hardcore band, like not trying to do any gimmick shit to it or anything like that to like get big. They just want to play and people notice it and they notice that they're doing it well and that they care. Like it's not contrived. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that's just half the battle, you know, like they're not trying to, they're not trying to pose as like tough guys or something like that. They're just out there playing the music they like and it's, it's working. Yeah, it definitely shows. I feel like I'm. Uh, that's what, like a big reason why like it resonates with like a lot of kids, and I feel like the, the the style that they're playing um isn't the most popular style, but the fact that they're just like you know this band that's doing it, they definitely stick out, and uh, the music is great. Like you know, lyrical content is amazing. Like I I love that it's a really personal. So I I just uh, I, I'm like big fan of that band as well. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a they're doing it well. They're doing and they're doing it right. Like, you know, no managers, no booking agents, none of that stupid shit. Uh, don't get me started on that stuff. <laughs> but like, whatever. Uh, I love that. That's how they're doing it. Okay. So uh, just doing it as a hardcore band. Yeah, for sure. So sometimes, like, uh, you know, I doing the podcast. I uh, had I, I've had to deal with like like booking agents which sounds weird when it's like doing the podcast because it, it like when i do this like obviously like sometimes i'll have uh you know like a, a mutual friend put me in contact with somebody but uh, it's always me reaching out like i don't have anybody doing it for me but like the the times that i do run into situations where like i have to like talk to like this person's booking agent i'm like okay this is like kind of strange like i look i get it there's a time and a place for it and uh -huh. you know 
your your band can hit a point where you guys don't have anybody. There might not be anybody in the band who's good at booking tours, like who's uh, just that's possible. So a booking agent might make it easier for you. But at the same time, to me, it's part of like it, it, that that shouldn't hit your point where you get a booking agent, even if you aren't good at it until you're down the line doing it a ton. Like these bands that like have a demo out and then all of a sudden they have, you know, email so-and-so for booking or managed by this and that. Like, I don't know, man. Like to me, it's part of being in a band is figuring out your own tours at first. Like, you know, that, that is part of cutting your teeth. Like in a hardcore band is putting this shit together and just going out and doing it and doing it because you want to play in a band not because you want to you know this goes back to what i was saying before like like the idea of playing in a band full-time as like a hardcore band is still weird to me and it's so available for so many people that i feel like a lot of people are starting bands just because that's what they want to do for a living like not because they want to start a band Mm -hmm. like it's if from practice one it's like, okay, we're going to tour with X, Y, Z, and we're going to, you know, put out our EP on this, and then our LP on this, and then, you know, you know, it's just, it's so formulaic, and there's, that's not, none of that is what hardcore is. Like, hardcore is just pure raw emotion, and if you don't have that when you're playing it, it's going to show real quick, right? Like, none of those bands end up actually succeeding. Like they all end up like coming up and going down really quickly because they don't actually care. So like, and, and that's why a lot of band hardcore bands, like really good hardcore bands, don't really have a long shelf life because you can only put out so much raw emotion for so long without just being like, all right, I've I've done it, I'm good, you know. So it's once you start trying to 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 make that up and fabricate it, it's just going to be very apparent i think and you're going to lose a lot of trust from a lot of people and it just it waters the whole thing down yeah i i I sometimes get bummed out when certain bands call it quits but obviously uh, they have the reasons for doing it and there's times where like i don't want to admit to myself that okay they probably did call it quits like at the right time like they have like a solid body of work um they might not be able to put out uh, another record or ep um you know that will live up to what they have already done and they might you know tarnish their name and i was like dude like it like it sucks but i get it yeah yeah i mean it's especially in in punk and hardcore i think there's a there's certain shelf life to it and there's also I mean, there's also the other aspect of it, like, of, you know, hardcore is a, a, writing hardcore, at least in my opinion, is like a young person's game. Like, it's, it's hard to write a full hardcore record at an older age and have it be really sick. Like, all, like, if you could name, like, your top 10 hardcore EPs and LPs, I'll bet you almost all of them were written by people under the age of 30. Right, like, yeah. I mean, mine were. Yeah, no, that that I think that's a fair right? statement. Yeah, 
So, I mean, like, I'm not saying people can't do it, and I'm not saying, like, there's not good records out there, but, like, your classics, your hits, like, the, the stuff that's really setting these bands up is written at a certain point in time. I don't know why that is. Like, I mean, there, I'm sure there's people smarter than me that can figure this out, like, what is the reason for it, but, like, you know, as far as, like, a pure, just straight-up hardcore record, it's a young man's game. Right, like, like once you start getting a little bit older and like start introducing other concepts to it, you can make a good record, but it's not the same thing. Like, it's not, you know, break down the walls. It's not, you know, vanishing point. It's, you know, there's just something that, it's just something else. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that, that's a fair statement. I, I've never really thought about that. That my favorite records were written by people. You know that were like pretty young. Yeah, it, and I don't know if it's just an energy thing. I don't know if it's uh, what it what it is, but like it's you know we were talking before about like bands I was in before Frostbite. Like I also think there's like a like it's rare for like your first band to like catch and go, mm-hmm. unless like you're just working at your first band, and you just never give up on it. Like, like Title Flight, for instance. Like, that was their first band, you know? So, most people, like, you start a band when you're 15. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Uh, you putz around. Probably sound like shit, right? Do that for a year or two. Maybe you start to write an okay song. Then, 17, 19, you're going to do your second band, right? Then you're starting to get a little more comfortable with it. Then once you hit 19, 20, 21, that's when you start to hit your pocket. Like, that's when, like, you figure it out, like, okay, I know how to play on stage. I'm comfortable. I know how to dial in my sound. I know what works with, like, the guys that, like, I know what I want to work with as far as, like, being in a band. Like, like you're just more comfortable writing and everything. So, like, it takes a little bit of work to get to that. And then, like, that could last forever, like, being comfortable and writing good music. But as far as, like, the energy of, like, a hardcore band, there's a it's hard it's hard to keep it going it's not it's not easy and it has nothing to do with being involved in hardcore liking hardcore like it, it just doesn't it's like i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's like i don't know it, it's it's a weird thing it's a weird thing to to keep that going it's just maybe it's even just like a past an lp thing like it's hard to write a bunch of hardcore records yeah there's not a lot of hardcore bands that i can think of that have like a like long discography with like a bunch of great records. Yeah. I mean, terror has a ton of records. They, they're like, you know, there's obviously like, there's exceptions. Yeah. You I, know, I feel like terror is like one but, of those bands um, that has like gone know, to like that the, level, like, like hate breed where, you know, that's like a, you know, they're a full-time band yeah. and they're always constantly busy. Yeah. But they're putting out quality stuff. Like there's just, there are obviously exceptions to the rules, but I'm saying like, you know, for the main part, you know, it's, you know, you get, you have a finite amount of space that you could write good hardcore in. And then after that, you're getting into, a lot of times, like, you're getting into other areas of, you know, whatever it is, like, post-hardcore, post, you know, whatever that might be called. 
that's why I always try to encourage my friends like, yo, like we got to live in the here and now and enjoy these bands in real time and just try to just soak it up while we can because this isn't going to be around forever. So we can't take it for granted that, you know, they're playing like, you know, every other week or, you know, they've, uh, you know, toured here like, you know, last month. Just like, all right, like if you like it, like let's just enjoy it as much as we can in real time. So we're not regretting it when the band decides to, you know, call it quits or go on hiatus or whatever. So that's just something that I always just try to like preach to yeah. my friends and try to, you know, practice as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I can't tell you how many bands I've taken for granted <laughs> that, you know, you're like, Oh, I'll see them. I'll see them at some point. Mm-hmm. And then at some point never comes because now they don't exist. I mean, I can't, I, I bet you I did that with like floor punch like five times. Like, Oh, that show's too far. I don't have enough gas money, whatever age I was. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I'm not going to go. And then they stop playing. I'm just being like, son of a bitch. So, I mean, it's, we all do it. We all do it. Okay. Um, so I, I put a pause on Disney, but I kind of want to jump back to that. Cause I feel like we barely scratched the surface on it. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what, what, when you normally go, like, uh, how often uh, do you stay? Or I'm sorry, how long do you normally stay, like, at the parks? We go, so, like I said, like, my parents are down there, my mm-hmm. in-laws are down there. So, we'll go, and they're in opposite sides of the state. And uh, we either stay with, my in-laws have a timeshare. We either stay there, or we go, or sometimes we'll stay at the parks. Uh, if we can get a good enough discount from our friends that work there. Uh, we have some good friends there, um, Pat and Sean. And uh, they, so we'll go, a lot of times we'll go for like three or four days. Sometimes we'll go for a week. Um, we usually go twice a year. Sometimes we go three times a year. Um, I don't think we're going to go for a while, though, uh, just with everything going on. Um, we're not too comfortable with that. So, hold on one second. No problem. Where are you going? I had to get you some earbuds. Today's the only day you can get it. Okay. Can I go? Yeah. They're upstairs. Um, so, we go, sorry about that. We go uh, two or three times a year. And we stay and, be, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when I talk to, you know, I have a lot of friends who are like, They'll go and like, I hate it. It's, you know, it's so rushed. You're doing this, you're doing that. But we've gone so often that we don't feel rushed. Like, we, I don't make fast passes. I don't do anything. We just go. If there's a line, we don't, we'll make fast passes day up. So that way, if we don't hit a ride, we don't care. And uh, if we could hit it, then great. But, you know, a lot of times we miss them and not care. But, and, we just enjoy it. Like it's a actual vacation. Oh. You know, it's crazy. Is that so? It's go ahead. What was that? Oh, I said go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, um, uh, I, I, I was just gonna say that the first time that I went to uh, Disney World was like in 2016, and I was there for like an extended period of time because it was like uh, it was like a friend's birthday, and, and they wanted to make it like a big deal. So we were there for two weeks which was insane and like I, I feel like it was like good and bad because um it, it, it was good for our first time to be able to have that amount of time to be able to experience everything 
And I feel like that set me yeah. up uh, for my future trips because uh, when I would go back, I wouldn't feel like, oh my God, like I have to do this and this because I've already done it all. And like the first time that I went. So I, I definitely like that you kind of gotten to that point where you don't feel rushed when you go to the parks and you can actually uh, use it as like a vacation and kind of go and do things on your own time. Yeah. We actually, my wife and I, um, last year for our anniversary, we went to Disney World for the weekend. Um, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And like, like, I mean, going back to what I said before, where it was like, when I, before we had kids, and I was like, uh-uh. like, like this place ain't happening. Like, I, uh, we went to, um, uh, for our honeymoon, we went out to Hawaii. And I remember uh, seeing people at the airport with like, honeymoon Disney World stuff on. And remember my wife and I just being like, get the fuck out of here. Like you, you know, you'd have to actually drug me to do that. And then there I am on an anniversary weekend with my wife, uh, hanging out. But so like we went, we went for an anniversary weekend and I don't know if this is, are you straight edge? Yeah. Yeah. You're straight edge. Yeah. You have X's in your username. Yeah. Uh, so like, I don't know if this is, this might not be something you could relate to in the same way, but like, so we went by ourselves for a weekend and we didn't ride one ride. Like mm-hmm. we went, we just went to like all the stuff that we can't do with kids. Like we ate at like uh, that new, I can't think of the name of it, a new at nice restaurant in Japan. Um, like we went to every single bar like we could think of. Mm-hmm. Like our goal was to like hit every bar at Disney property, and we fell well short because I don't think that's possible to do that and live. Um, and just like we ate super good, we super well. We drank everything in sight and just hung out and like, you know, you just, you know, use the Disney trans. We stayed on site on property. We always used Disney transportation. It was like the most, and like none of my friends could, were like, could understand it. They were like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, who does this? And I was like, it's such a, like, it's just being at like a well-themed, like really good restaurant and bar. Like I couldn't explain it to people. It was like, and like you don't have to drive. Like it was so much fun, and so like I, my thing, like I love about Disney is like I the rides are fine, like they're cool and all. But like if you really want good rides, you're gonna go to Six Flags or something, right? Like they have better rides. Thinking about it, mm-hmm. so like I like I just really love the theming, and like the just like how immersive it is everywhere. Um, so like we go down and like we just we take our time, just really enjoy everything as best we could. Yeah, I, so Disneyland is local to me. Obviously, I, I live like ten minutes from the park, and uh, that's like a place for me and my buddy Garrett to like go and just chill. Like we'll go. Our, our buddy is like the manager of the Magic Shop, so we'll go and like um, you know see what he's doing if he's working. And uh, we do like more just like hanging out in the park versus riding actual stuff because we've been on everything like like seriously like you know thousands of times because we, we've gone so much. So. Uh, getting on the yeah. rides here in Disneyland isn't uh, super important for us. Like we kind of just like to go and like people watch and like yeah, like we'll go like grab dinner or, or lunch or just like depending on whatever time of day it is. And like yeah, well, we'd like to hang out and just kind of just be in the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I remember my friend Pat that works at Disney World. Um, we were in Epcot the one time, and he was talking about how he was just how he was there like you know a week or two before. He just met up with a friend and like they just sat on the grass and hung out. He's like, "This is our Central Park." Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, that's a good, you know, 
So, and then when you go there enough, it kind of becomes your, like, you can start to treat it like that. Uh, it's So it's kind of cool. And, I mean, it's with our both of our parents down there, it's it's hard to vacation anywhere else, like when we do get a vacation, mm-hmm. just because, you know, my kids don't get to see their grandparents that often. So, you know, we like them to hang out and see them. So, and they, my parents and my in-laws live literally diagonal from each other on both sides of the state yeah. and disney's in the middle okay so it's like we'll go here and you guys can meet us yeah that's so awesome. so we end up there all the time but like i said i mean we're not i'm i mean i i respect anybody's opinion and option to go whenever they want but we're gonna we're gonna take a year or two off just until everything kind of dies down with this with the coronavirus yeah, it, it definitely is strange. Like, uh, I like talk to my friends and. Did you guys get a reopening date yet? No, no. I I, I feel like I, they're waiting to see how Disney World does before they actually like announce anything for Disneyland. So I I think um you know being optimistic I I feel like uh, since you guys are opening up like you know like basically like mid July like for us will probably yeah. be in like August. I think that's like a good window. Yeah. Well, yeah, California's not it hasn't really opened up too much either, right? Like um, you guys are still pretty well. Um, we're like uh, like about to hit phase three because like uh, there's restaurants now that you can go and like dine in, and obviously um, there's like still like the like they have to follow like strict guidelines. So um, it, it's progressing. Yeah. So I I don't think it's going to be that much longer until like we're like the other states that are more open. Yeah. I mean, Florida is also like one of the, I mean, it's a Republican state. Like it's, you know, doors have been blown wide open for a while now. Mm-hmm. Like they've been treating this like it's not a real thing. So I'm actually surprised it took Disney World this long to open. But uh, yeah, it's, I have no idea what it's going to be like when they do. Like it's just going to be, you know, no parades, what, no restaurants, no fast passes. Yeah, did, did you follow um, uh, Shanghai reopening at all? Yeah, I mean, I watched the videos. I didn't really uh, read about how it went. Like, I know I saw like what they sold out of all their tickets in like an hour or something like that. Yeah, for like the whole week, which is like pretty crazy. Well, it kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, you you got to think about um, th- uh, they went at thirty percent capacity, so um, they didn't have to sell that many tickets to sell out for a whole week. If you think about it, you know. Yeah, I mean Disney World. I don't know how. Like they said, they're gonna they're what honoring existing reservations, and then it's like annual pass holders, existing reservations. Like I I don't really understand their full system here. Yeah, I have no idea to be honest. Like the day that they um like announced all the stuff for Disney World. I was at like at work and then I was like, all right, I was like, when I get home, I'll like update myself and like read everything. But then I just have been so busy. I haven't even had time to sit down and actually read through the things like thoroughly and understand like how they're actually doing it out there. Yeah. I haven't really done it either. Um, just because we're not going. So, I mean, some of my friends, my buddy that I mentioned before, uh, whose son is totally nonverbal. They're going in August. I know. Um, Mm. they're Disney vacation club people though. So I think they get first crack. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, before Disneyland closed, I was there like the whole week 
And because uh, I go and like hang out with, like I, I mentioned earlier, like my, my buddy's the manager of the magic shop. So I'll go and hang out at the magic shop with him. And I, I remember him and I talking about how like it's pretty strange that we're in this pandemic, but inside Disney doesn't feel like it because at that time, uh, wearing a mask was still like foreign to people. Like like if, if somebody saw you wearing yeah. a mask, they'd like, kind of like look at you sideways. But now I feel like it's the opposite. If people see you not wearing a mask, they look at you like you're like a weirdo. Um, but it was it was just so strange that like yeah like Disney didn't miss a beat that whole week hi, and then they, they just kind of like pulled the plug. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, well, that's the other thing about Disney is like you go there and you feel like you're in an alt. You don't. You feel like you're in an alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's a different place. Like you're not part of the real world, but. With something like this, where it doesn't care about you know Disney World security, it's a virus. Mm-hmm. It's different, right? So hold on one second. Mom, mom had to run to the store. What do you want? Okay, I'll get you food. What do you want? This is this is how it is every day. Usually more frequent than this, though. What's on the menu? Um, yeah, it's. It, we've never been. I've never been to Disneyland ever. I know. I, I remember yeah, you mentioned we that. Really, I, I would love to. Uh, it's just. I mean, my wife's actually never been to California. No, oh, wow, that's crazy. Wild. That is crazy. Yeah. Um. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, she's never been to California. She's been all over the world, but never there. Wait. So. And we actually we were in, we've been invited to a couple weddings out there, and we just couldn't make it mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, so we we plan to. We have some really good friends out there that you know we want to go visit and see some people and go. But who knows when at this point, right? Yeah, seriously. Who, who? Yeah, I don't even know because like just the thought of travels like so strange because I've you know, been so like you know grounded and here at home just not really doing much so just thinking about going anywhere else is like a, a weird thing yeah it's travel is yeah I'm not I'm good chilling at my house for a little while mm-hmm. it's I mean it, it, it actually kind of works out because I had to put all the money I would have put on vacation into car repairs recently so so be it yeah. Yes, I, I, I the, like gods work, the gods of money work in mysterious ways. Yeah, it's definitely strange how that happens sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, curious, uh, what are your favorite, uh, or which is your favorite park in uh, in Florida, and like your favorite ride? My favorite park is Animal Kingdom. Okay. Hands down. Um, it's like the most chill. You just go hang out. Best food, best bars, better than Epcot. Oh wow! Um, okay. That's, yeah, they have they have two like the just they're perfect bars: the Nomad Lounge and the Dawa Bar. Uh, and then my favorite ride is Tower of Terror. Okay, that's, that's a great one. That's my favorite ride. 
that's like my favorite ride ride but like my favorite like it's <laughs> when we go to uh every year the last thing we do is as a family we watch phantasmic okay which that's is classic. that you have you ever watched that there yeah and it's a soda in a cup hold on uh it's so i love that mm-hmm. so like awesome. again like it goes back to like all all my stuff there is tied to like just different like you know like family experiences whatever it might be maybe maybe that's the wrong word but just like these like this wave of doing things with you know the kids and experience things experiencing things like through their through their eyes so that's why like when like i was kind of weary like i was like i didn't know if i would actually enjoy going there with just Allie and me uh when we went for our anniversary but uh, we just had so much fun so that was cool yeah you like unexpectedly had like like a really great time yeah i mean well we, we didn't have to think like that was the other part is like like that's my favorite kind of like i i'm the worst relaxer on planet earth like i mean you can probably tell just from talking to me like how much i i can't sit in one spot like i walk around mm-hmm. like, this is even how i work like like i work like i bring a computer i walk around with me in different rooms like i throw a football to myself like it's just like I, I can't sit still so like i can't relax like the idea of sitting on a beach but like doing nothing and staring at the ocean to me is like being in hell like that's the worst thing on earth so like going to a place like that where you could just you could walk around and not think but you're still doing something so your brain's turned off and you're relaxing that way but you're actually doing something so for like a guy like me who's just restless it's that's perfect uh, just curious have you had a chance to go to the cantina in galaxy's edge yes we went um I, I mentioned my friends that worked there they actually took me when we were there the one time i went for the cast members preview with my friend pat oh that's nice okay. uh, yeah so we went there and it was so cool i mean it's just like have you been yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've been. Oh, well, you guys, you guys have Cantina, right? Yours, yours, the Galaxy's Edges are pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah, like identical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys get Rise of Resistance yet, or no? Yes, we, we got it um, after you guys, which is so weird because ours, our land opened before yours. Yeah, but your your ride. I didn't think I could have sworn your ride didn't open. It opened in January, right? Uh, no, no. Um, it, it opened. Uh, I can't remember exactly when the ride opened. But I remember I, I wrote it during the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl, like that Super Bowl Sunday, I went and wrote it for the first time. Yeah, actually, you know, what? I retract my Tower of Terror statement. That's the best ride. That's the that's the craziest ride I've ever been on. OK. Yeah, um, but I mean, they just did such an unreal job with that. But yeah, that is they, I thought they did a great job with all the Star Wars stuff there. Like, I mean, I know people were all pissed off because it wasn't. You know, they wanted it to be whatever, Tatooine or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, it makes sense. You know, especially if you're going to continue this franchise, you got to put it somewhere that doesn't exist. 
Yeah, like they're 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 making it canon. Like they want to write it into the story and be able to like profit off of this, not just at Disneyland, but also like they can tie it to anything else, like books, movies, video games. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I, I know like the comparison is is what Harry Potter stuff at Universal. Yeah, which I mean they they did an incredible job, and it's really cool to feel like you're in the movie. But at the same time, it's like that's a you know, I don't think they're doing anything more with that story. And, you know, that, that could feel weird at some point, right? Like, maybe. Have you had a chance to go on the newest ride um, at the Harry Potter land? Or um, I think it's in Diagon Alley, or maybe, I, I'm, I don't know Harry Potter, so I'm probably messing this up, but there's a new oh, ride. Oh, the, um, the, uh, the Hagrid's roller coaster? No. Yeah. Okay, that ride, and um, th- this might sound crazy, but I think that is the best ride in any theme park ever. Really? Yeah, it's 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 is crazy. Yeah, it's really good. Huh. I see. I've only actually been to Universal once, um, and it was just sort of like happenstance. Like my wife, like the kids weren't feeling well. My wife took the kids home back to the hotel. Uh, and my friend Pat had an extra pass to take me, and he was like, "Want to go?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Mm-hmm. Just like happened to work, and it was dead. Like we got to do everything, but it was before Hagrid's. Okay, but um, you know, surprisingly, like that Universal um, out there is like way better than the one out here in LA. Really? Hold on, stop. She's at the store. How about I put on indie for you? You want to watch indie? What do you want to watch? I want to watch. Temple of Doom? No. I don't want to watch Indiana Jones show. You don't want Indiana Jones? What do you want? I want... What do you want? I want... Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, what do you want? Use your, use, your big, use your big boy words. What do you want? I don't know. You want Kevin the bad guys? No. You want... What do you want? Is he uh, old enough to watch Rick and Morty? Uh, he, I don't think he's done Rick and Morty I'm yet. Fancy Nancy. Uh, he's done. His, his favorite movie is. I mean, it's crazy. He's he's gonna be four next month. His he's gonna be four next month, and his favorite. He had an Indiana Jones birthday last year. Like oh, that, that's awesome. He's he's like obsessed with. He's obsessed with stuff like that. But uh, does Hi. he? Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. 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 He loves he loves the crow mags and gorilla biscuits. Has he seen the crystal skull? No. We watched like five minutes of it. And he made me turn it off. Oh, okay. A lot of people don't like that one, but, I, awesome. but but I enjoy it. I hate it. <laughs> I, but oh, I, I remember. I, w- I saw it in theaters and I was just angry. <laughs> okay. Like, angry. Like, how are you going to make a movie with this much technology and make it look shittier than a movie that was made in the 80s? I don't know. I, I, I don't understand that choice. Maybe they, they want to try to make it look like the older films. But it just looked fake. I'm I'm curious to see how the like next those, one is going to be because you saw that like they announced that like um, we got some like some new director. Um, yeah, but who's going to be in it? Uh, Harrison Ford's coming back. 
I, I think it's just going to be him. I, I don't think they're going to bring back Shia LaBeouf. Well, I'm fine with that, but <laughs> I figured they were going to pass. I just figured they were going to pass the torch to somebody. Well, they were supposed to pass it to Shia LaBeouf, but then I, I don't think they liked like. He, I heard Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt for a while. I don't know. Like, not the biggest fan of Chris Pratt. If I'm being honest. No, I, I don't. I mean, I'm indifferent. I don't really care. Uh-huh. I'm not really invested into anything he's done. Okay. So, so you're not like he's, you're not diehard Jurassic <laughs> Jurassic World or any of that. I mean, I've seen Jurassic World about a thousand times in this house, uh-huh. but uh, it's he's fine. Like he's not. Um, you could easily do uh, California Adventure in one day. That's kind of it, it's more like uh, like kind of like I'd, I'd compare it to like Hollywood Studios. Yeah, so that's kind of what it looks comes across as. Yeah, so it, and Cars Land looks dope. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, but the, did you say in the one podcast that you've been to Club Thirty Three too? Yes, I have. Was that you? Yeah. How? Okay, so I I, I work. Uh, for Frito-Lay um, and uh, Frito-Lay is owned by Pepsi and Pepsi used to have a membership and I, I found out about it. So I, I contacted uh, the guy who like runs my building. who's like a really nice guy. And just by chance, his wife worked at uh, our headquarters out in Irvine and she was the one in charge of um, booking reservations for club 33 if anybody ever needed it and i found out nobody ever used it so i was like dude we're, they're paying like you know like i think like at least like 20 grand a year for that uh membership and nobody's using it and i was like oh i was like can i use it and they're like yeah like when do you want to go so i i went and had like dinner there just like just randomly jesus yeah it's it's pretty insane to think about and then the worst part is that they got rid of the, the membership because they, they're doing like cutbacks and stuff. And they're like, oh, nobody ever uses this. So we're just going to get rid of it. And like, that was like the worst news I've ever gotten. <laughs> so how many times did you go? Just once? Just, yeah, just the once. How was it? Uh, okay. I, if I'm going to be honest, uh, the vibe, the atmosphere was awesome to, to, to go into like this like super exclusive club that you've like always heard about. It's like, you know, on like everybody's like Disney bucket yeah. list. It was awesome. Food wise, there's better food in the park, in my opinion. Like I always say that huh. um, in California Adventure, there's like a fancy restaurant called Carthay Circle. I feel like that restaurant has better food than Club Thirty Three. Interesting. Yeah. Inter- yeah. There's. I mean, I'm sure you've seen like how there's one in like every park now at Disney World. Yeah, there's one in like uh, <coughs> Shanghai. I don't know if they're all open though. Uh, yeah. At Disney. I know the one in um, I, I saw pictures of the one in Shanghai, which like look pretty cool. Um, I know the Magic Kingdom one's open. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood Studios one, I believe, is open. But I don't know about Epcot and Animal Kingdom. Okay. And have you ever been to any of the ones out there? No, no. I rang the buzzer once at the one in Magic Kingdom, okay. and the girl came out, <laughs> and I was just like, "Can I have dinner here?" And she said. No, I said okay. That was it. That's so funny. Just like no, <laughs> you got to call your buddy Pat. He has to have some sort of connections, right? <laughs> no, nobody. I, I, I it was we. Everybody I've talked to is just like, yeah, no, like good luck. Okay. Like get a membership. I'm like I can't. <laughs> yeah, and like the wait list is insane. Just to even get on, so it's just like yeah, might not ever happen. Yeah, that's that's a crazy. 
I would love to, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't? But, like, every Disney person wants to go there, but... Yeah, I feel like... Yeah. yeah in Disneyland, like, the like the only, like, other thing I have, on, like, on my bucket list is, like, probably never going to happen. Because there's, like, a, like a uh, half court inside uh, our, like, Matterhorn Mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... But, like... I don't even know if it's like even stable for any customers that even go up there, but like you have to work at the park to be able to access that. And like, I have like too many tattoos. So like, I'll never get hired at Disney. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. They, they kick your ass right out. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really have like a bucket list for stuff like that. Like just want to go again and hang out at some point. That's it. Like, like I said, like I just, it just a chill chill spot for me like place to just relax and turn my brain off and have a couple too many drinks that cost too much money one thing i, I that i haven't asked you is that uh, you mentioned that you like to go two times a year do you um time it like around like any certain event or um you know any holiday um we try to go my middle daughter's uh birthday is october 24th so we have gone around that a few bunch of times mm-hmm. and gone to a Halloween party. Oh, awesome. made that. And then, and then if we go at the right time, we go to a Halloween party and then we get to a Christmas party. Oh, um, nice. Okay. The overlap. So <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, we, so we've done a lot of those and then, uh, we try to get out of here like February, March, just cause it gets like the weather gets so lousy and, you know, this seasonal depression. So we try to go down and, uh, it's actually a conference I go to where I can get a bunch of my continuing education credits down in Florida, like in Orlando that, uh, we've done that at the same time as well. So that's in like February. So those, those are pretty much the only things other than that. I mean, we try to avoid the summer. No, the worst. Uh, Yeah. And it's hell. So we try to avoid the summer. We have gone. We went last year in the summer. Um, it actually ended up being a lot of fun, but we went last year in the summer, uh, and then I think that was the only time we've ever gone in the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so it's so chill. You guys don't have one. We used to, but then like there was like some weird issue where like the the track wasn't like in compliance with like some weird like zoning stuff in California, and they were just like, all right, like cool, we're we're gonna get rid of the ride, we're not gonna fix the track, but the track is still there. So what do they do with it? Anything? Nothing. It's just it's just an eyesore in the middle of Tomorrowland. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's really strange. But yeah, like, it's one of my it's one of my favorites. Yeah, just sit on that and dude, being able to just like, go through and like you know through the rides and stuff and just like get like a different like vantage point and the fact that it's like I feel like it just goes at like the yeah. perfect speed where it's not too fast, not too slow, and you can just like. Hang I'll tell out. you what, though, I'll tell you what, and you know it might get backlash from you know, the other the people you did the podcast with the other time, but Magic Kingdom hands down my least favorite part. Whoa! What? <laughs> Hands down, <laughs> least favorite. I feel like that, like that's so weird. Like, that's like the most Disney park. I'm aware. <laughs> okay, I'm aware. Interesting. But like, I, I just like it's always too crowded. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm just freaking out. Nothing. He's tired. Um, sorry. 
It's all good. It's the most. It's always too crowded. Like I, you cannot go on a not crowded day anymore. Um, the lines for everything are atrocious. Food sucks. Uh, like there's one good. There's two good food items, and they're both at the same place: the chicken waffle sandwich and the like Nutella and waffle. I've never had uh, it. Where's that at? They're cool. That's at Sleepy Hollow, which is like in uh, like Liberty Square, kind of like right near Hollow Residence. Okay. Normally, when I'm in Magic Kingdom, we'll go eat at, uh, I think it's called like Pico Bill's over there. Yeah. 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 That's like where we go when we go there. And I, I hate it. I think it sucks. It used to be awesome because they had like the, the toppings bar and they used to have like uh, guacamole and a uh, bunch of like awesome like toppings but then i feel like they kind of scaled back because it's probably like really expensive to put out that stuff like every day yeah i mean i, I don't know i think the food there's uh, magic kingdom food sucks so like to me yeah like we go i mean there's a lot for the kids there so we go there a lot mm-hmm. and i mean i know it's funny because like i just i was telling you like i tricked you um like I said, you know, like I'm, I have like all these like feel good moments, and they're all at Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But it's still like your least favorite I've, place. It, like, yeah, like as I've gone so many times. Who's that, Mikey? It's Jamie. Say hi, Jamie. Hi. Tell them who your favorite princess is. Cinderella. Yep. Daddy, going water. No, water's in the kitchen. Is this water? No, that's coffee. You don't want that. Um. So like yeah, like I have all these cool memories tied to the place, but I'm like, man, like yeah. <laughs> those memories are great. Yeah, but but you'd rather. And like I mean, I still love like, I still love like that like walk down Main Street into, uh, Magic Kingdom, but then I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I can do without it. And so, um, you mentioned uh, you've gone like during like the Halloween times. Uh, have you had a chance to experience food and wine? Yeah, yeah we have. Um, we've done food and wine. I think we've done flowering. We've done. I think all of the Epcot festivals too. Food and wine, sick. Yeah, uh, it's like it's so cheap. They they do, yeah, and they do a really good job of like getting the food down to like the act- what it actually tastes like the cuisines. Um, like from like the local places, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I like it out there way better because out here w- we don't have as many booths, and it's just like it's like double the price for like everything, which is like kind of annoying when I've like experienced like yeah. it out in Florida. Yeah, it might. So yeah, my wife did the. I think she did the food and wine run, or was it just? Yeah, she oh. did food and wine run a couple years ago. She did like the. The yeah, so I think the it's called the ten K or something. The the wine and dine, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I've, I've always yeah. wanted to do it because they it, they don't do runs out here anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it's been a couple of years. There was like some issue with like I think like the city and like money. So they're like, all right, whatever. Like we don't have to do this anymore. So they just kind of pulled the plug on it. So like, yeah, they're only out in Florida right now. Yeah, I mean they're huge out there too. I mean, I, I don't know what they do with that, but uh, during all this, but um, yeah, there, she did it, and like she trained really hard, and she, you know, had a really good time. Uh, but and I wanted to do it. I actually ended up tearing my Achilles. Oh wow! When I was running, 
yeah, my 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 physical body is a mess, uh, as opposed to my other body. But um, she she did it, and she was like, "You could have done it." She was like, "There are so many people that just do it and walk just to take pictures with characters, like people are doing like five Ks with you know hour and a half times, mm-hmm. like." I'm like that's insane. That doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, that's a long but, time to walk. I mean, that's well, that's I mean, that's part of it because people go for like the the character pictures and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like you know, you get to see all the characters like you don't get to normally see. And that's another like that's another thing. Like I I get that, and I think that's cool. Like seeing characters, like like I remember seeing like Max one time, uh, or like just like seeing characters you don't get to see too often, mm-hmm. but like. Like I, I don't get like my picture of characters or anything like that. Like the kids do, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, I, I'm not like I'm not dogging it. I get it, but like it's for me, it's just like I said, it's just like a, I don't know. Like I, I like all parts of it, but it's like that part is more for like like my kids going like they want to do that stuff like that's cool. So like I kind of have like two separate experiences when I go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel you on that one because, like, I, I kind of have to make the adjustment when I go to Florida with my friends. Um, I, I'm not big on taking pictures with characters, but that's what they love to do. So uh, when I'm out here at home, like, my friends and I, we don't do it unless it's, like, some super rare character that never comes out or somebody brand new. Like, I think, yeah. like, the last picture we took, they had a photo op with the um, two main um, brothers from Onward which was like the first time ever, you know, them doing oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we did like that photo op, so like that was kind of special, but like normal stuff, we just kind of, we just walk walk by it. But like when I go on vacation with my friends to Florida, because like, uh, I, I kind of like meet up with like a group of people, like pe- some friends from like New York, Philly, and like Boston, like we'll all just kind of like meet up in Orlando. And that's something that they love to do. So like I'll, I'll go like with them. Yeah. Uh, they get like way more excited than I do, but, but I get it. It's like, you know, that's like their thing. Yeah, I mean, some people love it, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know, that's, that was never for. That's not my my side, my scene. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, like I said, like we get to we have like two different experiences when we go, and then like we, my wife and I, like go out for dinner at night. Like my in laws will watch the kids, so like we'll go out for like a nice dinner, uh, stuff like that, and it's so we get to experience like both parts of it. It's pretty cool. Like we get to kind of have best of both worlds. Like you know, you really get to see it like literally through a child's eyes. Um, and then, you know, you get to do the other part. I did, I've, we were at the one time we went for Halloween the last time and they had, it was Jeannie was out with Jasmine mm-hmm. and, uh, my one daughter, Carol, I wonder who it's her birthday, uh, is like loves Jasmine and it was Jeannie and Jasmine and then like Abu and Aladdin. She like did not want Abu and Aladdin and they were on like times and there was like a girl in front of us. It was like a girl with her friend who was like videotaping her interaction the whole time. And I was like counting the time that like, it was like Jeannie and Jasmine. I was like, if this motherfucker is like doing her little Jeannie skit and she's like grown ass woman, I'm like, I'm going to fucking smack the shit out of this motherfucker. If my kid can't see it. I'm like, like get out of here with this bullshit. Like that was the one time I was really pissed off about like the adults with characters thing, but mm. I do get it overall. Like you know, it's, it's yeah, I'm 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 an adult enjoying Disney World. Who the hell am I to judge anybody else on what they're doing there? 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely get it. Yeah. There's like, like I love Disney, but then there's just some like, like, yeah, there's some like weird like nerds when it comes to it. I'm kind of just like, all right, like, like I judge them a little bit, but I get it. It's like I, I'm here too. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, it's a microcosm of everything, right? Like how you judge everybody on everything and you know, like all the stupid stuff they like, like, and it, it, when it doesn't line up with the cool thing you like and they're doing something you think is stupid then it's stupid but like who cares like it's making them happy who gives a shit like what does it matter what anybody else is into no matter what it is almost i mean unless it's like you know if like what makes you happy is making like racist threats online then then you're a piece of shit but like if what makes you happy is like you know playing dungeons and dragons like all right play i don't care go ahead like who am i to judge you Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, I, you know. yeah, I'm, I'm never the one to want to put anybody down and hurt anybody's feelings, but yeah. I, I mean, definitely get what you're saying. What Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, like I'm a grown man that enjoys Disney World. That's, you know, it's an easy thing to get dogged on. And I get dogged on it pretty good from some of my friends, which I'm, I don't care. You know, big deal. It's fine. But uh, it's so like, you know, if people want to get their pictures taken with characters, like, go ahead. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Have have fun. Well, Alex, well, I want to thank you for doing the podcast. This has uh, been awesome. Like, I, I think it's like uh, way, it went way better than I, I expected because I, I was nervous talking to you because like we we'd exchanged DMs like here and there, but we like never actually had like a real like conversation. So I'm just like really happy that, uh, you know, this is actually fun and I, I'm happy that we're finally able to do this. Yeah, me too, man. It's been great. I really appreciate it. Nice little reprieve too during uh, everything that's going on uh, in the world right now uh, to kind of get to talk about something else for a minute and not feel uh like doing it in like a selfish way you know, just kind of enjoy a conversation mm-hmm. and okay and normally so, b- before like, I, I sign off I, I give the, the guest an opportunity to shout out or plug anything so uh, if you want to do that you're more than welcome to uh, yeah I mean I don't know when you're going to put this out but um, definitely keep you know keep supporting keep supporting Black Lives Matters movements uh, keep supporting minority shop owners, um, doing everything you can to uh, create some form of a positive change uh, with what's going on in the world. Uh, If you're listening to this, that means that you're involved in punk or hardcore. That means that uh, you're supposed to kind of have a higher understanding, a higher level of everything. So I hope that if you're listening to this, you understand empathy you understand right and wrong and you're doing what's within your power to make the world uh, a better place and to try to get some equality for the people that have been pushed down and dragged down by a system that's just been an absolute disaster to them Uh, one that's pushed uh, an unfair balance for uh white people for far too long and finally getting it to be hopefully somehow the right conversations and making people be more comfortable 
and sometimes we have to be uncomfortable to get comfortable, whatever that might be. So uh, just keep educating yourselves, uh, listening to people of color, letting them speak, letting them tell their experiences, and doing what you can to help get their message out there. It's not, it's not my message. You know, I'm, I'm a white male. It's not my message to get out there. I, I'm just trying to get the right message out as best I can, trying to listen um, and hope I'm doing my part to be an ally. Uh, to the people that have just been taken down for years and years and years. And it's total bullshit. So I think we're in the middle of major changes in our country right now. Um, and I really hope that the change is the one that we all hope actually happens. Uh, it doesn't get worse somehow. So hopefully... Hopefully we're witnessing something incredible. Uh, probably aren't because of some scumbags who have final say in a lot of things, but it's really cool to see people not take shit. All right. Well, seriously, I, I thank you so much for taking the time and, and doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, a fan of the bands you've um, been in, and I'm looking forward to hearing new music from you in the future. So seriously, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast. Always on top. <laughs>